This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today is our monthly series called Closing Time with Chris Linsell from The Close. Uh, this is a partnership between Keeping It Real and TheClose.com. And let me tell you about The Close. Uh, TheClose.com is a kind of real estate website designed to give agents, teams, and brokerages actionable strategic insight from industry professionals. They cover real estate marketing, lead generation, technology, and team building strategies from the perspective of working agents and brokers who want to take their business to the next level. Please visit theclose.com, that's T-H-E-C-L-O-S-E.com, and subscribe to their newsletter so that you get notified every time they publish an article. Uh, With us, as always, is Chris Linsell. He is a staff writer and real estate coach for The Close. Now, Chris is the closes resident expert on real estate topics ranging from marketing, lead gen, transactional best practices, and everything in between. He's a licensed agent in the state of Michigan. Chris has also been part of hundreds of real estate transactions from modest rural starter homes to massive waterside compounds. Now, when he isn't writing, you'll find Chris fly fishing or performing on the stage, hopefully soon with the vaccine coming uh, of his community theaters, local productions. Although, uh, I guess, you know, uh, I don't know. Has, actually, I'm going to ask about that because now we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully cool things like theater is coming back. Um, anyway, Chris, welcome once again to Keeping It Real. We're, we're so excited to have you. DJ, thanks so much for having me. It's 2021. We made it basically the same as it was like a week ago, except we've had a chance to drink champagne and, you know, give each other virtual high fives over Zoom screens. So I'm in a pretty good mood and hoping that you are too. Yeah, I am. And and I was a little disappointed because social media was suggesting to me that all of our problems were going to go away as soon as the clock struck yeah. midnight. Um, and it seems that um, it's we're still, still dealing with some things, but I am excited and hopeful that 2021 will be a better year uh, for most of us than, than 2020. Oh yeah, 100%. I definitely, I'll be the first to admit, I fell under that spell too. I kind of got that feeling of, of like, if we could just make it through 2020, the moment 2021 rolls over, you know, we're just going to be, you know, canoeing down a river of gravy at that point. Turns out that's not, that's not actually the case, but I am approaching the year with a lot of optimism because I feel like whether this is artificial or not, I've definitely learned a lot of lessons in 2020 and I feel more prepared for some reason, just waking up in the day, I'm like, okay, 2021, I got this. I know what we're going. I know what's going on now. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. And there's just so much has changed. And I, I think mobility uh, has, has been one of the most interesting uh, changes that that we and really the whole globe has has uh, really discovered with respect to working and real estate agents uh, oftentimes are independent. A lot of them work from home anyway. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of non-independent contractors, you know, more salaried employees, of course, are working from home and realizing that we now have the ability, uh, in many cases, if if our job allows for it, to travel and work, to you know, move yeah. to another location. Um, I know that I've been able to maintain my practice of, uh, I basically recruit real estate agents full time. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to exclusively be doing this over the phone. It's not going to be as effective. And it turned out that it, it has been just as effective and really nobody wanted to come in and see me anyway because of uh, the conditions. <laughs> so it, it yeah. sort of worked out. And I'm curious when we're, we all are, or, or at least most of us get vaccinated, um, if if that trend will, will change or if we'll go back to, to where it was and obviously there's a lot of industries that rely upon in-person traffic and, and I'm hoping that those industries recover. Um, but at least in our industry, we're finding that client interaction can be done a lot more virtually than in the past. And there's now a, a societal acceptance uh, about doing digital conversation uh, ver versus you know the old analog way of, of, of getting together in person. Not to say that that isn't still a, a wonderful um, experience, but we're now seeing that real estate agents have been able to do virtual showings, virtual closings, uh, a lot has been able to happen, you know, right from the living room. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I won't say that I invited this title, but as a part of my work on the close, one of the titles that um, ha has been kind of unofficially given to me over over the course of, of all the work is real estate technologist, because I spend a lot of time thinking about technology in the industry. And one uh, you know, interesting thing that I think COVID has brought on is this acceleration of technology in all businesses, including real estate, to the point that, you know, it is making folks aware that we are right now where we would have been probably in 10 years had none of this happened as far as the use of technology in our interactions with customers. I mean, it's right out of the Jetsons that you would it just is. pick up your video phone and dial up a video call with your agent and say, I'd like to see this house. And they show you around the house right on your phone. You can make an offer. You can sign paperwork. You can close right from your mobile device. Consumers, they don't, they're not, they don't go backwards on this. We, we didn't go back to not wearing seatbelts once we realized how efficient they were at saving our lives. That's not going to happen in real estate either. And it's not going to happen in the real estate business either. When I say business, I mean in their agents' interactions with their brokers, with their, with their managers, with the way that their business is operated. There may be some who long for the good old days, but those folks are a dying breed. We're going to be looking forward. And it's going to be the brokers and the managers who can look forward with their offerings for agents that are going to win in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, and that really brings us to our topic today, which has to do with, you know, selecting the firm that is the right fit. And so much has changed in the last year that there's probably a lot of our listeners, viewers, and just, you know, agents out there who are considering, you know, making a change. Um, you know, that whole new year, new you uh, thing is, is a real mm -hmm. thing. I know, um, you know, just as a background for anyone listening who's not familiar, 
I am not a practicing broker, um, although although I technically have a license. It's embarrassing how little I know about how to actually use it. However, um, I do know a lot about recruiting realtors because that's what I've been doing for the last ten years, basically eight eight nine hours a day, uh, you know, five six days a week. So. Um, What's interesting is this time of the year, every single year we get flooded, our particular office gets flooded with requests Mm -hmm. from brokers saying, you know, I'd like to see what, you know, talk to you guys about what what you offer. And uh, obviously this is the time of reflection. It's a bit slower, most likely for a lot of us and a good time just to reevaluate. Is my firm giving me everything I want and need? Um, Am I overpaying? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, am I being compensated correctly? Uh, or, or what I believe to be, um, you know, what is my what is my value, and you know, what's the cost of of doing business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. This is this is definitely a conversation happening in my circles as well. Uh, and like you said, the 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 new year, the rolling over of the calendar, does tend to spur this conversation. And in my experience, a part of it is. Uh, spurred by the fact that there is usually a financial incentive for real estate agents to remain at a brokerage through a calendar year or their fiscal year if they've if they've got a cap system in place because right. they get a better percentage of their commission if they stay with that brokerage. But once that once they they the the year rolls over and they're back at zero with their cap all of a sudden those options are looking a little bit more tantalizing because they're not saving money by staying in the same place. So, you know, that's usually where the conversation starts with me, but does definitely doesn't end there. There's a lot of factors that go into that conversation. Yeah. And let's, let's define what a cap is just for any listeners or viewers who who are unfamiliar, because uh, this isn't something that every firm offers and some, some firms uh, do it and some don't. So what, what Chris is referring to, and he mentioned either the calendar or, or your rolling 12 month, you know, fiscal year, um, uh, you, what we're talking about there is is that some firms have a you know a split or or, or a flat fee depending on on how that's structured for commissions and that if you hit a certain dollar amount or a certain number of transactions um, then you know you your fees are are lessened maybe even removed altogether um, but um, some firms have this some don't if you're unfamiliar it's a great reason to pick up the phone to see uh, if there are there are, are firms in your area that do offer those advantages, but also from a recruiting perspective, if, if you're out there looking for team members uh, or you yourself are a managing broker wanting to recruit more agents for your own firm, uh, it's good to know what all the other firms are doing, especially if everything's on a calendar year. So if you know XYZ office, their, their cap, uh, their year ends December 31st, and you know, you're trying to recruit some agents, well, assuming that that's the same way it is for all their agents, then January 1, everyone's starting back over at zero and then having to mm-hmm. hit that cap again might be a great time to reach out and say, hey, yeah. by the way, um, you know, I let's talk about what we offer versus what you currently have. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, to, to, to kind of illustrate this with a real world example, um, one of the one of the big uh, players in the virtual brokerage space is a is a brokerage called EXP Realty. Yes. They're they're, uh, you know, nationwide now for the most part exp offers a i mean honestly this is relatively low uh cap um i mean i guess it's all market dependent but they offer a sixteen thousand dollar 
cap for their agents. And essentially what that means, and I, I'm not an EXP agent or nor am I affiliated with their leadership. So um, if this has changed uh, since the last time I read it, uh, please forgive me on that. But as, as of my knowledge, um, if you're an EXP agent, when you start every transaction that you close, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25% of your commission goes to EXP. Right. Once you have paid them a total of $16,000, then you keep 100% of your commission minus, I think there's like some sort of administrative fee of, of like $150, $200, something like that. So you pay EXP a maximum of 16 grand as a part of your commissions and you keep the rest minus that, that admin fee. And you know, you get certain things for that. You get certain amenities or, or resources uh, from EXP, but that's how they charge their agents for the most part. That's, that's how they make money is that cap system. Um, and, you know, that is, that's, a, that's pretty important for some agents, especially if you're making a lot of commission, you want to know how much you're going to be given up and how much you're going to be keeping yourself. Yeah, Keller Williams has this has a similar model, which uh, has a has a higher cap, I believe, right around mm -hmm. like the twenty six thousand or twenty eight thousand dollar mark, I believe, mm -hmm. unless that's changed. Um, yep. But it's nice to know that those are two firms that have really made a huge splat. I mean, Keller Williams, of course, is is one of the biggest players. Mm -hmm. DXP is becoming one of the bigger yeah. bigger players uh, because yeah. you know, I yeah, I think you're right. I believe uh, my understanding is they start agents out at around seventy five percent with that sixteen thousand dollar cap and then it's a few hundred maybe a hundred or two a couple few hundred dollars after that per per sale mm -hmm. which is obviously quite quite attractive um and then of course there are firms that have traditional splits without caps um and but yep. maybe they maybe they're offering um you know leads or they're offering better technology mm -hmm. or marketing materials and or mm -hmm. or just or just brand presence. Maybe they're the big player yeah. in, in your local community and maybe they're only giving you a 70% or a 60% split. However, the name recognition is so strong that it actually helps you win business, which again is, is always a debatable topic, how important the sure. company you work for is versus your own private brand, your own personal brand. Mm -hmm. And that can be debated, you know, for indefinitely. Um, but it's always something to consider. Um, because I know, mm -hmm. you know, I work for a firm here in Chicago that pays almost 100%. Actually, let's talk about that for a second. So the other the other type of firm that that has become popular in the last 10 years and increasingly popular is, um, especially for part time agents, but but also for full time agents is firms that offer a flat fee model or what they call 100%, which is kind of a misnomer, because of course, it's you don't Get to keep 100%, but you get to keep pretty close to that number. So firms like the one I work at, we charge uh, $350 per sale and the broker gets to keep the rest. Um, that, that also can obviously become seen as very attractive. However, I get the question a lot is, okay, I understand I'm paying a lot less with you guys. And at the firm I'm currently at, I have a 70% split. So obviously I'm paying a lot more, but um, aside mm -hmm. from the, from, from the commission being different, what else is different? And it's like, oh, there are differences. Yeah. There really are. And you know, there's certain things sure. that, that we offer and there's certain things that we don't offer because of course our market Margins wouldn't allow for that. So for some yeah. agents, you know, that's a good fit. And in most larger 
real estate um, uh, uh, um, sort of uh, areas, geographic areas, there will mm -hmm. likely be a 100% firm in your area. If you're in a small yeah. or rural area, it's not as common because financially to make that model work, there needs to be at least a several thousand agents in your local area. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for that firm to be able to survive with that model. But if you're not familiar, that's yeah. another thing to consider is explore that, see if that's a good fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is, this brings up an interesting point, two points, actually. The first is this conversation that we're having, you know, this, this thought of, you know, am I at the right brokerage? Should I consider a brokerage move? What's the right brokerage for me? That those, those questions a lot of this is market dependent and you yes. can hear DJ and I, you know, you can hear you and I talk back and forth about this until we're blue in the face, but the Chicago market is different than the Northern Michigan market, which is different from the New York city market, which is different than the San Diego market. You can name any community in the United States and we all have different markets uh, and different um, players in those markets. So your conversation individually has to be tailored to your market. The other thing, though, that I want to make sure that I throw out here is we've talked a lot about money, but money is just a part of of the of answering the question of what brokerage is right for me. You know, am I in the right place? Because ultimately, you know, this business is about more than uh, depositing checks and then spending some of it on getting getting more business. You know, there's there's, you know, the, do you feel supported in your business? Yeah. Do you feel like you're growing as a professional? Do you feel like you have a, like physically a place that you feel comfortable walking into and bringing clients to, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into this. Uh, and I feel like, especially right now, um, agents are evaluating these things. Agents are evaluating what's important to them and what, uh, what means something to them as far as, you know, at the end of the day, when they tell their family about the work that they did, are they proud? Of, are they proud of, of, of what they have to say? That's a conversation that's happening right now. So I'm really hoping that this conversation uh, is spurring lots of conversations from real estate agents across the country to say, am I in the right place? And if you are, fantastic. That's great news. But if you're not, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's really funny. So we have about 700 brokers at our, at our, our agents at our firm. And uh, of mm -hmm. course, nobody is under any sort of lock, uh, locked or, or sort yeah. of contract. I mean, they're, they're all independent contractors. Anybody could leave at any moment. And what we've learned in the last uh, 10 years, we, we, we've been in this 100% model. What we've learned is it's really very uh, the easy, the, the, the difficult part of the job is not recruiting because of course, with our financial model, it can seem very attractive because of our, our structure. However, uh, what we've learned is that if our support and training are not up to par, people will leave at a moment's notice and they will go back mm -hmm. to a, a firm where they're paying a, a split, um, even a, a less than generous split because they're getting the support mm -hmm. and training they need. So what I would recommend yeah. to everyone listening, and, and I will tell you, this is kind of a funny thing because I'm a recruiter and nothing is not, there's nothing I love more than getting a phone call or an email from somebody saying, I'm thinking about joining your firm. You know, I'd like to talk more about it because I have been doing this 10 years, eight, nine hours a day. I can do this really well. And, and while I, yeah. everything I say is the truth and I'm not somebody who, who talks about who, who, who uh, exaggerates claims or, or makes false promises. The person on the other end of the phone doesn't know that. And what I will tell you yeah, is sure. if you, if you are interested in exploring other firms in your area, what I would recommend 
is not calling somebody like me who's the you know in mm. charge of recruiting or the managing broker because guess what we're really good at talking about how great our firm is what i will encourage you yeah. to do before you talk to somebody like me and most firms have a corporate website. Most firms mm -hmm. list their agents on their website. If not, log mm -hmm. into your MLS, get a list of the agents for that particular firm. And randomly, mm -hmm. before you contact the firm, randomly call a few of those agents and say, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know you or I do know you, but I was thinking about looking at your firm. And before I ended up talking to the firm, I wanted to get your personal opinion. Pick them at random. Don't ask somebody like, you know, the recruiter for some examples, because yeah. of course, you know, they're likely to want to stack the deck with people that already love that firm. But just call some people at random and say, hey, this is the kind of agent I am. Here are the kind of things I really want. And in your experience, do you think this would be a good fit for me or what's been your experience? And, and that boy, that will give you so so much great information about what's the right mm. firm and sure it takes a couple phone calls and and it might take several weeks to call all the different agents you want to from different firms but if you do that you will get the best possible information about what real agents think about being supported um, you don't have to talk about commissions because a guy like me can always tell you how the fees and commissions work mm -hmm. but what you really mm -hmm. want to know is outside of that am i going to be taken care of are they do they take care of you and you want to call yeah. people to find that out yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And I love I love that idea of kind of secret shopping, uh, you know, kind of putting yourself uh, in connection instead of, you know, talking to the car dealership about what car you should buy. <laughs> That's right. Stop, stop somebody in the stop somebody in the parking lot of your grocery store who's driving the car you're considering and, yes. and say, you know, how does this car drive? You know, I want to I also want to add um, I do some consulting for some smaller uh, 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 locally owned boutique brokerages. and you know, I'll share a little bit of insight when I'm when I'm helping these folks with their initiatives, especially on a marketing front. One of the um, one of the arms of the marketing uh, strategy that we put together is is towards agents is is not not just towards selling the properties, not just towards recruiting buyers, but towards, you know, selling agents on the fact that this is a brokerage you want to work for. And we yeah. break that strategy up into three components. We break it up into recruitment, retaining, or excuse me, recruitment, training, and retention. Yeah, these are the three things that I coach brokerages on needing to have a handle on if you want to create a sustaining and growing business in terms of the agents in your office. And as an agent or a broker who's considering a move, you guys should take this information, take that insight I just shared and use it in your evaluation of uh, particular uh, offices or brokerages um, that you that you're thinking about working at. How are these folks recruiting? Are they being genuine in their efforts? Are they providing all the information I need to make a good decision? Or do you feel sold? Do you feel yeah. do you feel hustled towards a decision? What are the options that these offices are providing as far as training goes? You know, and I don't just mean for new agents. We all have things to learn. You know, I call I call the first year of your real estate. Uh, career, I call it training. After that, I call it professional development. Every office should offer some level of professional development so that you leave a better professional on December 31st than you, than you arrived on January 1st. And then the last thing is, is retention. 
there's got to be a strategy. There's got to be a plan in place for an office to recognize the value of the, of the agents that really are the engine of their business. If the office doesn't have any way of showing the people who they depend on, that they appreciate them, there's, there's going to be some trouble down the road because eventually those folks are going to feel unappreciated. And if you're a high performer, eventually you're going to feel unappreciated. So I always talk to agents, take these three insights. How are they recruiting? How are they training? How are they retaining? Do those strategies line up with you as an agent? If they do, you're in a great spot. If they don't, you know, you might want to ask some more questions. Yeah, my advice, those are all great, great suggestions. My advice would be to write down everything that you want. Um, it, it's just like asking a buyer, you know, what are your musts? What are your wants? Uh, and, and what mm-hmm. are your not that importance? And, and and write that down. And and then, you know, contact some of those agents and ask them, say, hey, if you don't mind, can I just take a few minutes of your time? I just want to see. And believe me, agents who like working where at the firm they're at love to talk about it. And they love to say, oh, yeah, my gosh, true. you should definitely look at our firm where they take such great care of me. And and of course, you also know that the deck hadn't been stacked uh, stacked in, in their favor before because you didn't talk mm-hmm. to the recruiter ahead of time. Um, but, but Chris is so absolutely right. I will tell you uh, from recruiting, Again, the recruiting part is actually pretty easy, especially if you have something shiny to, sh- to, to show a, a broker, which is, hey, we have the highest commissions mm-hmm. and the lowest fees. Okay, fine. That's very easy. Just like selling something that's at the lowest price uh, is, is probably easier than selling something at a higher price. However, um, if, you know, with respect to training and support, um, what, what I will say, or re- I'm sorry, about retention, Chris is so absolutely right. I will say that there's a couple little things that, that for example, that we've figured out to do that are so simple and easy. Um, and a lot of firms don't do them and it actually means a lot to our brokers. So one of the couple things we do, and if you're somebody who's listening, who has a team or, or, or has, uh, or owns the firm and you're looking to keep your brokers happy, a couple of things anybody can do. Very few firms do it. Number one, obviously write everyone a birthday card on their birthday. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. You should be doing that with your clients as well, but your firm should be doing that for you or at least con- you know, celebrating your birthday in some capacity, but also your work anniversary. Do they know how many years yeah. you've been at their firm? Are they somehow mm-hmm. you know, announcing that in some way to make you feel special? And, and also every time you close the sale, is there any sort of acknowledgement? Are they reaching out to you in any way to say, wow, we're so glad to have you. Congratulations. And it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that emphatic, but so some sort of acknowledgement is important. Now, if that if those things aren't important to you, then no big deal. But for a lot of agents, mm-hmm. they don't feel as appreciated, especially because we're so virtual these days. It's so easy to not see agents. 99% of our agents never walk in our door or, you know, at least certainly this mm-hmm. last year, that was the case. But even before that, it was about the same. And so we have to take yeah. really extra effort um, to make sure our brokers feel that we're not forgetting about them. And if, if you're firm, if that's important to you, and it is not important to everybody, there are many in uh, uh, realtors who just prefer to be left alone. They don't need acknowledgement. They don't want praise. They mm-hmm. just want to be left alone so they can build their own business. And that's fine too. But whatever your values are, whatever the things that that you want, maybe you do want some acknowledgement. Um, m- maybe you do want a little yeah. praise. Then then you want to talk to some of those agents at other firms to find out how do they recognize you, you know, when you're doing a good job. Yeah. Oh man, I can't, I can't stress how much I agree with that enough. It's, it is a, it is a mortal wound for a firm 
to have the the bulk of their communication with their agents be seeing the firm's name on the deductions for their commissions check like if right. the, if the if that's the if that's the the most that your agents hear from you which is this is how much money we took out of your commission check <laughs> you are doing not only are you are you walking a very fine line but think about what think about as an agent you would never do this with your clients you would never once just uh, only communicate with them when it was with a with an outstretched hand you would every single time you have an opportunity for interaction you would be providing value for them you would be engendering that sort of loyalty by creating a relationship that is based in providing value, a value exchange. I have something that's valuable to you. You have something that's valuable to me. Let's work together and make this a partnership. It's the same thing with a brokerage. Whether you are an agent, a broker, a managing broker, these are the things that we need to be thinking about. That that client-agent relationship or client-broker relationship, it is the same uh, on a lot of levels as the broker and managing broker relationship. Um, you know, the, maybe the, the, the terms are a little bit different, but the nature of that relationship is actually pretty similar. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and, you know, when you're in the process of evaluating firms, I would definitely also ask about your particular needs with respect to support. So Chris and I, we talked about support a little mm -hmm. bit. I just wanted to add something to that. So at our firm, we have a policy with respect to support where we say, okay, between these hours, we're going to be able to get back to you immediately. But what happens if it's nine o'clock at night on a Friday? What's the expectation? And what I would encourage you to yeah. do is to ask those difficult questions. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to be available at nine o'clock on a Friday, because of course, you know, just being a reasonable human being, understanding that people have their own lives outside of work, mm -hmm. but to, to mm -hmm. ask them, say, what happens if I do have an emergency at nine o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday? Um, how long should I expect uh, to be able, you know, to be able to hear back. And if they just say, oh, we're always going to be there, take care of you. That's, that's a what a recruiter is going to likely say anyway, but that's when you go back and call a few of their agents and say, Hey, you know, if it's after hours, what, what is the realistic expectation? Because obviously your clients aren't going to know or care that the office is technically closed at five o'clock if they have an emergency at that mm -hmm. time. And, you know, is, is the firm going to give you their personal cell phone numbers to call them if it's an emergency? Um, again, the recruiter is likely to always tell you that oh, we have great support, but, uh, but really you, you want to talk that through because at the end of the day, support, you know, a lot of our agents never come to training because they mm -hmm. just feel that they don't need it, but they all need support at some point. So support is, is yeah. really, really critical. Oh, totally. And think about, you know, if you're buying that, thinking about the buying a car analogy, who, which car salesman are you going to believe more? When you ask the question, what kind of gas mileage does this car get? Are you going to believe the guy who says, oh, it's great. Just great gas mileage. Are you going to believe that guy or are you going to believe the guy who says, well, it gets 26 in the city, it gets 32 on the highway, and be honest with you, there are a couple of cars that do it a little bit better uh, in the city, but our highway mileage is really efficient. I'm believing guy B every day of the week because those sorts of specifics and the admittance that maybe there are some limitations uh, because we don't live in a perfect world. That person has my vote of confidence. And, you know, agents and firms, 
both of them should be shooting for that sort of realistic communication because otherwise there are expectations that will just never be met and it's it's going to result in uh you know disappointment or hurt feelings and ultimately in a business relationship that's just not as profitable as it could be yeah I, I think you're right i apologize i had to take out my headphones there um so um my my headphones started malfunctioning in the middle of that but but what i heard was was awesome stuff um yeah. and, and i also just really want to touch on one of the biggest questions that a lot of times agents are going to mm -hmm. ask when they're considering switching firms which is leads um and mm. and obviously uh firms there are firms that do have lead programs there are firms that that don't. There are firms that claim they do and don't. There are firms that claim they do and do. Um, but it is it is a very common question. And I was curious, Chris, yeah. to get your thoughts on how important is lead generation um, from a firm. And again, every every broker is unique. But but yeah. um, as something to look for in a firm, how important do you think that is? Well, I'll, I'll answer your question in two parts. The first is lead generation is important. It's the it's probably the most important thing that as an agent, new or otherwise, you've got to be game planning for because without leads, you don't have business, you don't have closings. And right. without closings, you're not you're not a real estate agent. You're somebody with a real estate license, but you're you're not working. So that's that's the first thing is it's important. The second thing I would say is when it comes to having leads provided to you via a brokerage, I would invite you to remember that nothing in this life is free. No brokerage is going to be giving you free leads. You are paying for those leads. Yes. And let's, let's just call a spade a spade here. If I own a business and I'm providing leads to my um, agents, I'm taking a small percentage of the, like I'm, I'm passing along a small percentage of that cost to the agents so that I can make a little bit on this. There's every time you get more people involved in the lead generation train, you're adding middlemen, you're adding cost. And so personally, I think that lead generation provided from an office is not as important as other people because I would rather do it myself. I can do it and and other agents, even if you're not a lead generation expert, you can pay a company like Bold Leads or uh, Zillow Premier Agent, or there's a hundred different uh, market leader. There's a hundred different lead sources out there. You can pay them directly for leads. If you're going to pay for lead generation, I would rather have the control of being able to pay for it myself rather than paying my broker and having them pay for it. Um, if you are a brand new agent and you have no budget and you have no prospects, you need to get leads where you can get them. And if that's from your broker, that's great. But to me, that's kind of the last option um, if you don't have means of, of getting them otherwise. So if I'm advising somebody on choosing a broker, I would say that to me isn't high up on the priority list unless you are completely out of options. Yeah, and I I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, the other option too, if you have no budget but want to participate in the online lead generation, are companies like OpCity who do not charge yeah. upfront. So in other words, they'll pass the buyer lead over to you um, that they have somehow discovered and qualified, but they take a percentage of the back end, which you know mm -hmm. for 
a lot of brokers is a very fair sort of transaction. It's really no different than a lot of firms who provide leads and then take yep. a percentage of the back end as well. So there are, even if your own firm doesn't offer it, there are firms like OpCity who, who can do that for people on a smaller budget. Um, mm -hmm. But I think Chris is right. The idea of looking for leads from your firm for most agents probably, it's one of those things that sounds really wonderful because who wouldn't want some some great leads however um that's another great reason to call agents at that firm yeah. and say hey how many leads are you getting um you know are they good quality what percentage are you closing how important are those to your actual business and then you'll get really the the real better story because Firms love to dangle that lead carrot in front of agents because, of course, it's a very attractive carrot. And, and mm -hmm. what you want to do is just confirm that, number one, the leads are valid, that they're there, they're plentiful, and that they close at some sort of reasonable level. And what's a reasonable level? Well, if you're buying Zillow leads, for example, and you can close 5% of your, of your Zillow leads, um, you're mm -hmm. a superstar. You're doing great. Yeah. So the actual yeah. lead conversion um, is quite low, but if they're able to help you know, if the firm's able to help get you five more sales a year, um, you know, hey, that's pretty great. It's just depending on can the firm do that and yep. you're going to get that real answer by talking to the agents. Yeah. And, you know, I would add just in closing on this topic, if if lead generation from your broker is really important to you, I would really encourage you to ask two questions. I would ask what the typical cost per lead is. Yeah. So you know what you're paying, uh, you know, kind of in the ballpark anyway of per lead. But the second and probably the more in question, uh, more important question is what's the typical cost per closing for this leads service? Because let's just say as an example, they provide <clears throat> uh, your brokerage provides leads and the typical cost for, for that for agents is something like $200 a lead. You know, for a, a $2,000 or a $20,000 commission, this would be gravy. This would be sure. fantastic. But if you're only closing 1% of those $200 leads, that means you've got to close, you've got to get 100 leads yeah. before you get to a closing here. That's $200,000 yeah. that you're spending to get one closing. Unless you're working in the luxury markets of Los Angeles or New York City, that deal don't work. There's right. the, the math doesn't line up on that. And so those are the questions. If that's important to you, you need to be asking the cost per lead and the cost per closing. And if your brokerage doesn't know, and especially if a recruiter doesn't know those numbers, run in the other direction. Yeah. And I'll just tag on to that. It's really great advice. And I'll just tag on to that to also ask the broker, especially for firms that don't offer leads, say, hey, that's fine. How can you help train me to get more business? And that Smart. is it, it, really every firm should have an answer for that, whether they generate leads for you or not, because at the end of the day, this is your business and the firm benefits from more production that you do. So they should be in your corner and they should say, okay, here are the training, you know, here's how the training works to help you generate more business for you. And we spend a lot of time on that, blah, blah, blah. So make sure that you're asking, not just do you offer leads? And, and, and what Chris says was great, is find out the cost per acquisition, the cost per lead, but then also say, you know, hey, 
outside of that, how do you help agents? It's really the best, one of the best questions you can ask. How do you actually help agents grow their business? And again, you're probably going to get a very polished answer from, from a, a seasoned recruiter. So that's another great question to ask those agents uh, behind the scenes is, are they actually yep. actively helping you grow your business? Um, so totally. I think this has been a great conversation, Chris. Absolutely. DJ, this is a great time of the year to be thinking about options. 2021, we've got a whole year in front of us to make it the best year of our careers. Let's start right now. Let's do it. And also let's remind everyone we we're several, just a few months away from hopefully the end of, of this uh, dark period of, of, uh, of our world's history. And so everyone, please stay safe and healthy. We're almost at the finish line. So um, be careful, be careful with your clients, be careful with your coworkers. And of course, out there in public and also go visit the really the best website we know about to learn how to grow your business. We've been talking about a lot of that here in the last half of, of the conversation conversation. Theclose.com is, is really the best website for agents to go and learn. Um, it's an amazing, incredible website. The articles they write are better than anyone else's. They're long form articles. They're in-depth, they're researched, and they're specifically designed to help you grow your business. And oh yeah, totally free. Really great. Um, so go to theclose.com. You'll see some articles Chris has written. They even have a pro uh, membership um, uh, option as well, which is really inexpensive and, and is awesome to try out as well. So go to theclose.com. And uh, Chris, I know you got to run. I have to run as well. So great timing here at the end. And um, we will see everyone on the next episode. Chris, thank you once again for being part of the show. We, we love having you in the close.com uh, as partners. And um, we'll see you next month. My pleasure. Can't wait. See you soon.